Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Stuff You Should Know is brought to you by Visa. We all have things we like to think about. Online fraud shouldn't be one of them. Because with every purchase, Visa prevents, detects, and resolves online fraud. Safe, secure, Visa. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. Josh and Chuck here, a couple of staff writers at HowStuffWorks.com. How's it going, Chuck? Uh, It's going good, Josh. So, uh, Chuck, I hate to tell you this, but there are people who are setting themselves on fire all over India right now. Have you heard anything about this? Right now? Uh, Possibly. Uh, Very lately. By right now, I mean lately. No, I didn't know that. It's uh, it's becoming something of a widespread trend, actually, terribly. Um, I read about one guy uh, who's a tea vendor. You know, he just sells tea like, you know, you buy a hot dog right. on the streets of New York. This guy just sells tea. Um, and apparently he fell in uh, the bad graces of a local uh, representative of the uh, local government. Uh, and the guy was kind of being abused by this guy, the, the government official. Right. Um, and in retaliation, he he doused himself in kerosene and set himself on fire in front of the guy's house. That'll show him. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Um, now, the guy lived, oh, but man. he has burns like over 95% of his body. Wow. And at this point, you kind of wonder, all right, well, which is worse, you know? Right. And that sounds like a terrible way to go. And, and the whole thing uh, kind of reminded me that. Uh, of an article I'd written. It's uh, called, Is There a Worst Way to Die? Right. It's and a good one. When I was, I love this article. It, it was like, uh, it, it was really interesting to write. I, bet. I talked to um, a funeral director. I talked to a uh, an ER doctor. And I also spoke with a guy who uh, is the director of the Ernest Becker Foundation. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, because there's no there's no quantifiable way to say right. Yes, there is definitely a worse way to die, and here it is. It's all subjective, right? And even worse, there's um there weren't any you know nationally recognized polls out there. I actually contacted Gallup to find out if they'd ever asked that question. They Did you request a poll or no? No, I I wanted to to find out what the data was if they'd ever taken the poll, right. and they said that they never had. I found one that was pretty close, uh, a 1991 Gallup poll that was about um, fear of dying, uh-huh. not the worst way to die. And um, astoundingly, only 25% of the people polled said that they were afraid to die. Interesting. And I think a, a really logical follow-up question would have, would have been, how often do you actually think about your own death? Right. Maybe we should have conducted our own poll. I, I, maybe we will. We will. We'll get it up on the site in no time. Right. Instead of quiz corner, fear of death, you know, corner. Right. Um, but while I was researching it, I, I came across some impromptu polls uh, about the worst way to die. It, immolation is uh, it usually ranks up pretty high. Yeah, I would say so. Burning to death, not good. Not good at all. I would say drowning's probably up there too. Drowning's up there too. Um, yeah, they're usually uh, they they're usually interchangeable at the top. What's your what's your uh, worst way to die? Boy, uh, I don't know if I could say a worst method of death, but I think that anything where I died alone would be the worst way. That is very funny that you bring that up because I was doing extra research for this podcast and there was a British poll um, from April, this past April, and uh, the majority of the respondents said that their worst death was a, uh, a dying alone. Yeah, like uh, Isaac Hayes, God rest his soul, he just mm-hmm. passed a few days ago sure. and I think he, they found him in his uh, home gym with a treadmill going and 
something as mundane as that. It just seems like the most depressing way to go, you know? Yeah. You're yeah. lying there, your treadmill's still alive, right next to you, and there you are. Right. And, and surrounded by no one. Right. Or Elvis Presley, as you know, I have Elvis on the brain. Oh, yes. After writing about Graceland. And, uh, you know, Elvis famously died, uh, in his bathroom, uh, reading a book. And no one found him, you know, for hours. So he was just laying there in his bathroom. Yeah. So, uh, the, this, the second worst aspect of death, uh, that people came up with was, um, no, not enough access to, uh, pain relief. Right. Which is a big thing too. Like if you, basically there, there's a really good way to answer this question is by changing the wording. Uh, is there a best way to die? Right. I think you would find across the board dying, um, in your sleep. Would right. probably be the the best, most highly rated way to go. People don't want to feel pain. No. People don't want to be afraid or alone. No. My worst death uh, kind of combines all these, except for the pain part. I don't think pain would be involved. Um, plane crash. Right. I'm actually I'm flying to Malta uh, a week or so from now, and Good I'm, luck, I'm buddy. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to the <laughs> to the plane ride. Uh, and my big problem with with uh, dying in a plane crash is if you're at thirty thousand feet or something like that, it doesn't happen instantaneously. Yeah, I know There's where you're probably headed. Probably a good minute or two headed straight to right. Earth at like eight hundred miles an hour. Right. But even that takes a minute, maybe two, maybe three, depending on how high up you are. And buddy, you're totally aware of what's going on the whole time. Right. You got a solid minute to three minutes to think about, you know, hey, I'm going to die. Right. And the panic and the hysteria just, I would say, with everyone on the plane, it's not, if you were by yourself, it would be bad enough, but you have hundreds of strangers that you were probably annoyed with just moments earlier for one reason or another. And you're all going through this. At at least you're not going to die alone. Yeah, well, but I'll tell you point. what. I'll, if George Gallup asked the people on a uh, plane that was going down if they feared death, I'm pretty sure that the uh, percentages would skyrocket. Right, that has to be a hastily performed poll. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, basically, check our 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 approach to death, our fear of death, um, in some theorists' eyes, uh, is the result of a um, kind of sanitizing of death. Right. Of um. Basically, our our desire to not look death in the face, not think about death, um, which and brings you back to Becker, correct? Becker, Becker, and Thanatology, right? Uh, a lot of Ernest Becker's views. His his whole field was called the psychology of death, right? Right. And um, in Becker's opinion, uh, culture, every aspect of culture, from our lazy boy recliners to NASCAR to whiskey. To uh, guitar hero, right? To the climbing the corporate ladder, whatever it is, it all serves to distract us from thinking about our own mortality, right? So culture has has been created to distract us, so we can throw ourselves into it. Um, that's Becker's stance. The, right. The problem is, is we in in Becker's opinion, he he died many many years ago, um, at age forty nine. Sadly, I wonder if he saw that one coming. I don't know, but I'll bet you if there was ever a human who was walking the earth who was cool with it, right. it was Becker, and he died of cancer too. So I mean, he knew it was coming. Um, but in Becker's opinion, we we know that death is coming. We're distracting ourselves. 
So the unconscious mind uh, has to find an outlet somewhere, and usually that outlet is violence or aggression or war. Right. So in, in Becker's opinion, if uh, we'd all just go ahead and accept the fact that we are going to die someday and we don't know when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen, we'd all be a lot better off. We'd all basically chill. Right, and I know along the same lines of, of how we uh, insulate ourselves from death is how there's not as many open casket funerals these days. And I know back in the in the olden times, as they say, well, as recent as the 19th century, yeah, people would uh, sit up with the dead. I know that's a southern tradition where mm-hmm. you would literally have the body in your house or wherever they died, and uh, you know the family's just hanging out. Yeah, for for days on end. Yeah, they'd eat around it. uh, Yeah, uh and one of the points of that was uh, to socialize children to death. Right, public viewings. Right. Yeah, and and plus another aspect of it was um, usually it was in the home because most people died in the home. Right. Because modern medicine, you know, just kind of went, eh, you know, good luck with that, pal. Eh. See, see in hell, that right. kind of thing. Um, and, uh, nowadays, you know, in 1900, the average life expectancy was, um, it was like 49 years old. Right. In 2008, it's like 77, creeping up on 78 if it's not there already. So that extra, you know, 20, almost 30 years, uh, has really kind of, um, strung us out. Right. Like we are really interested in, in squeezing every last minute out of it, even sadly, uh, beyond the, the time when the quality of life has diminished. So what are you saying? Well, I'm saying we have all these machines to keep us alive, to breathe for us. Right. And we know that they're out there. Um, so we have thrown ourselves even further into this denial of death, exactly. as, as Becker called it. You know? Right. So the, the very things that keep us alive are distracting us from the obvious. Pretty much. And the inevitable. Yeah. And there was, there was another aspect when you brought up 19th century that I found really interesting. There was a trend. Have you heard of bereavement photography? Uh, yeah, that was, um, like, have you seen the movie The Assassination of Jesse James? I have not, no. Yeah, he was famously, uh, photographed in his casket, uh, you know, and the, the whole town came out. They had him on a block of ice. Mm-hmm. And the whole town came and viewed the body and had their picture made mm-hmm. with, uh, picture made. We're from the South. Picture made, exactly. They had their picture yeah. made with, uh, the body of Jesse James. Is, is that what you're talking about? Uh, that, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a photograph of a dead person. Um, for usually though it was of a loved one and oftentimes they'd be on a couch sitting up looking like they were sleeping right. or in bed looking like they were sleeping sometimes their eyes were propped open to make it look like they were awake yeah that's really odd it, it was kind of odd but it actually still continues today there are there is bereavement photography uh usually it's um used by uh parents whose child was was stillborn or died at a very, very young age, and this will be the only photo that they ever have of them. Right. Is this the United States mainly? Yeah. Or? Wow. Yeah. It's, um, it's, you don't want to say it's odd because clearly they're, they're getting something from it. Like, right. I'm sure. sure it poses like, or it creates a sense of catharsis or finality to it. And, right. And plus they, they can say, well, this is what my baby looked like as, as for as short a time as he or she was on earth, you know? Right. Um, and it's a, it's very sad, but I imagine that you can get something out of it. Yeah. Who am I to judge? Exactly. And, and photography in general kind of has, since it, since it was created, has always had kind of this fascination with death, like bereavement photography or outlaws. Um, right. Even, even Pablo Escobar, you know, there's that famous photo of him all bloated and dead on that rooftop in Medellin. Right. Or right? the famous photo of, uh, Lizzie Borden's father, uh, you know, kind of sideways on the couch. Yeah. With- yeah, face mashed in. And what is it about us humans that wish that that photo wasn't so grainy? 
Yeah. That you could make it out a little more, you know? I know. But at the same time, it kind of lets the imagination run wild. We are a sick, sick, twisted species. We're afraid of our own death, and yet we love morbid photography of dead people. Or at least you and I. We don't want to speak for everyone. I guess we shouldn't speak for the rest of humanity, although, you know, I'd say we're fairly typical. Um, but, but back to the photography part, there's, um, there's this really cool exhibit, uh, by a German photographer named Walter Schels, right? Uh And, uh, he did this series called Life Before Death. And what he did was he went and visited people who were terminally ill. Spent the last, you know, couple days of their lives with wow. him. Got, you know, took a series of photographs of him, got like the one he was looking for, and then arranged to take another photo of them right after they died. And he juxtaposed them one right next to the other. And there's actually a really great spread on the, the Guardian, uh, the Guardian's UK site. Well, what did he find? It was, was it uplifting or was it depressing? I, it's very subjective. It's death, you know. There's right. no objectivity with, with death. We have no idea what's coming after this. It's all subjective. You're scared of it. You're not scared of it. It whatever. Right. Um. So it's definitely one of those things where you know you're going to take what you want out of it. And some are more startling than others, but it's it's really it's odd and it's oddly comforting. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Well, uh, you can see it uh, on, on the Guardian site. But first, don't forget to go to HowStuffWorks.com and read is there a worst way to die it's a pretty cool article if i do say so myself and stick around to uh, find out which article makes me pretty excited but scares the hell out of chuck right after this stuff you should know is brought to you by visa we all have things to think about like say what's the best site to buy a new leather jacket or whether to buy the three or six megapixel camera but thankfully we don't need to think about online fraud Because for every purchase you make, Visa keeps an eye out for fraud with real-time fraud monitoring. And by making sure you're not liable for any unauthorized purchases. How's that for peace of mind? Safe. Secure. Visa. So, Chuck, we're back. I know this uh, this article scares the hell out of you. Uh, I like it. Tell us about it. Uh, What's the Misiplicity Project? You want to tell everybody? Yeah, it has to do with dog cloning, cloning your pets. Mm -hmm. And it kind of creeps me out. I know that you love your dogs like I do, but you want to clone yours. You want to have nine instead of three. Well, my dogs are never going to die, not if I have anything to say about it. But if they do, I feel comforted knowing that I can bring them back. Well, you better get a second job, buddy. It ain't, it ain't cheap. <laughs> no, I know it's not. I'm saving up already, actually. Good. It's like kid, put kids through college or, you know, yeah. Malta. bring dogs back to life. Right. And we want to give a shout out to uh, How Stuff Works freelancer Julia Layton for creating a really cool article. You can check it out on HowStuffWorks.com. Just type in what's the Missimplicity Project. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? 